This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. everyone and welcome to episode 40 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I'm so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, I have to tell you the entire team here at Your Morning Basket has been so excited for this particular episode of the podcast. We knew it was coming this season and we've really been looking forward to this particular conversation. So today I have back with me on the show, Jennifer McIntosh. Now, Jennifer was here talking all about her morning time in episode six of the podcast, but this time she's back to talk about a little practice that she has called a mother's morning basket. So this is all about morning time just for mom alone. And so she's here to tell us all about how she's been doing this through the years to share with us some of the books in her own Mother's Morning Basket and also to give us some hints and tips on getting started with this practice for ourselves. It was an inspiring episode as we recorded it. I learned some things of my very own and I'm really excited about this practice going forward. So we will get on with this conversation right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by MereMotherhood.com. It was back in the 1980s when Cindy Rollins, then a new mom in search of the best ways to teach her young son, first heard about homeschooling. 30 years and nine children later, Cindy has become a popular blogger, podcaster, and award-winning teacher, a journey that she has documented in her memoir, Mere Motherhood. Morning Times, Nursery Rhymes, and My Journey Towards Sanctification. Published by the Searcy Institute, Mere Motherhood is the story of boyhood shenanigans, cross-country moves, and all the heartbreaks and joys that accompany motherhood. Head over to meremotherhood.com to learn why Sarah McKenzie calls this a book that is written with grace and humility, packed with insight and perspective only a thoughtful, experienced homeschooling mama can give. The kind of book you'll borrow from a friend and never want to give back. And I'll tell you, you're not getting my copy. This was one of my absolute favorite reads of the past year. I was so inspired by Cindy's work. So use the code PAM when you check out to save 10% on your purchase. And don't forget to look up Cindy's Charlotte Mason themed podcast, The Mason Jar, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find it all at meremotherhood.com. And now, on with the podcast. Jennifer McIntosh is a homeschooling mom of five who follows the Charlotte Mason method of homeschooling, rich in books, nature, and their Catholic faith. Her blog, Wildflower and Marbles, has been an inspiration to many, including me, for years. Jennifer's learning space, planning posts, and her step-by-step help for creating a considered book list provide homeschool moms with practical advice for the day-to-day. She is joining us today to talk about the morning basket for moms. So, Jen, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's so fantastic to be here again. Yeah. Now, we did want to remind everybody that because I'm not going to ask a lot of questions about your morning time in particular this time because we're going to be talking about this kind of great new concept. Well, 
you may have been doing it a while, but you've recently started sharing it more. So this great concept you've been sharing of Mother's Morning Basket. But I did want to remind everyone that if they wanted to hear a lot about what your morning time is about and how you've done that through the years with all of your children, they could check out Your Morning Basket Episode 6 because you were on then talking to us about just what morning time looks like in your family and building a book list and those kinds of things as well. Right. Okay. So let's kind of dive in. Now that we've got them directed to the right place to hear about your morning time, let's kind of go backwards a little bit and talk about maybe what you even do before you start morning time with the kids, right? Is that when you do Mother's Morning Basket? Exactly. In fact, my Mother's Morning Basket is at an insanely early hour. So at the outset, I have to say, this has to become what is intuitive to the individual mom. And it may be that this kind of time, this mother time, maybe happens best for her before bedtime or in the afternoon when the littles are taking a nap. But for me, it's definitely something that happens in the morning and it has to happen for me before I start my day. Okay. So go ahead and share with us what time. Okay. (laughs) I'm just curious. Yeah, it's probably about 5.30 or 5.45 in the morning. Okay. And, um, and I'll share, that's not because I am by nature a morning person. Actually, I'm not. I'm a night owl. I love staying up at night. I love reading late at night. But my children, I, I had my first child and she started getting up at 5.30 and I thought it was a fluke. I thought it would change. And it never has. Five children later, they all get up very, very early. So I had to mortify myself and become a morning person. And I realized that if I wanted to nurture myself and grow and say my morning prayers, I'd have to get up earlier than them. And so that is how I kind of became and stretched myself and grew this habit to become kind of a morning person. And then through that, I've learned that I actually really love the early morning hours and reading and starting this mother's morning basket in those really early hours. So yeah, really early. Oh, wow. That is early. Now, as long as you're not exercising that early, you know, and and when I say you, I mean me, I can probably handle that. (laughs) No, you can say me too. No, no. I do work out. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I do work out because I know it's good for me. But that has to happen in the afternoon. After you get a little juice in the joints. Yeah. Well, and after I can talk myself into it, I have to do it, go through a whole little interior monologue with myself about how it really is important and not a waste of my time. And sure, I could be doing something else, but let's do this workout thing anyway. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay. So back to Mother's Morning Basket. So, so far, we've already learned that Jen does hers early, but you don't have to. You can actually steal no. any little snippet of time through the day to do this. So talk to me a little bit about what it looks like. What's in a mother's morning basket? I suppose this could vary for everyone. The idea simply is that I think as our days get rolling, and I'm sure this varies temperament to temperament, personality to personality, but I'll just speak for myself. And once once my feet hit the ground, I tend to just roll. I'm rolling from one thing to the next. And then once my kids are up, there are about 18 things that are rolling at me from different angles. And I'm just going, 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 going. So I needed a place for things to land so that I could grow myself and nurture my own soul, uh, nurture my imagination. And those things had to happen. I had to make myself sit down and be quiet and be still with myself and my thoughts. These, this little bit of time early in the morning. So in my morning basket, there is always, always some 
prayer book, some kind of prayer book, because I learned the hard way that if I want my day to unravel fast, just skip prayers. So always some kind of prayer book and something for us for the liturgical year, something that kind of anchors me to the liturgical year, just because I found and I've seen this great fruit from me reading about the liturgical year before I go to my the morning basket with my kids and I read to them a little bit about the liturgical year. I feel like our conversations are so much richer and deeper because I was already there on pages that went a little bit deeper, a little bit wider and a little bit further in to these ideas. So always something from the liturgical year, always a prayer book. And then there's almost always something that rotates in and out, just depending on the day or maybe my mood. There's almost always a novel in my morning mother's morning basket. There's usually something kind of light in there. And there's always a book that teaches me something, whether it's an educational philosophy book or a gardening book or how to arrange flowers or decorating, something that I want to learn, something that's teaching me. So and I don't read every single one of those books every day. I probably am always starting with my prayer books, and then I may just choose one to read. And this depends on how long it takes for the first child to read. And that kind of dictates how long I spend. So typically, about how often do you get to spend doing this? Or maybe I should ask you this. How often do you like to spend doing this if you get the chance to do it as long as you like? Well, I mean, my ideal time would be about 30 minutes a day. And that happens more often than not. Even if the kids are up, they've learned, there's a, we have a queue. So I have my morning basket set up in a particular place in my room. There's a particular chair right next to it. And they know that if I'm sitting in this chair in the morning and I have a cup of coffee on my table, don't come talk to me. Don't come speak to me. You can come in and give me a hug and then wander back and entertain yourself for just a few minutes. And it's a cue to me to, okay, I need to wrap it up at the end of a chapter or or something like that at the next stopping point. And it's a cue to them. Mom is busy. She is reading and we can give her some time. It's great for them to learn that kind of self-discipline. So 30 minutes is the ideal, probably averages between 15 and 30 minutes any given day. If I can't get my full 30 minutes in, then I'll probably grab 15 minutes after lunch when I we have kind of a strictly enforced quiet time here. So I may grab another 15 minutes of reading time then. Okay. So you can, you know, you even sometimes break it up if you absolutely have to. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Now to me, it seems like just yesterday that you had a new baby, <laughs> but this has actually mm-hmm. been a few years now, hasn't it? Yes. yes. Uh, okay. So how four years old. Okay. Four years old. I, t- <laughs> I told you it seemed like just yesterday to me. But um, it does to me too. So were you doing this before you had your youngest? And then if so, how did it change? You know, when you got to that season of life where all of a sudden you had a new baby in the house again? I actually find new babies are the most flexible, particularly when it comes to reading time, because you just can hold that sweet baby and read or pray. And so I find that it's, I don't know, maybe there's something special grace when you're nurturing and loving on a sweet new little one and reading and feeding your soul. I don't know. That's kind of how I, that's how I feel about it. But to me, things have to change when there are toddlers in the Mm. house most, and they do change. So morning basket may include my quick morning prayers and then waiting until a nap time to do my reading. And there definitely are seasons of life where I have to dial things back 
particularly seasons of suffering. I guess I feel like when I'm at the foot of the cross, my the reading in my morning basket is actually really light. I need it to be light. I just can't go to heavier, darker places in my reading. So books may change or I may put a book on a shelf and choose something different at that time. They definitely change seasonally. Yeah. What do you think the benefit, the biggest benefit of a morning basket is for mom? Why do they need one of their own? I think because we get in this that place in our life where we blink and there are the, all of a sudden there are several children running around and they all have needs and life gets rolling and we don't take time to fill our tanks. And you do that enough and you find that you can't give when the well is empty or the well is dry and you begin to burn out or you're depressed or anxious or a variety of different things can go on and happen. And I'm speaking from experience here because it <laughs> certainly happened. I'll, I'll stop reading and all of a sudden realize, oh my goodness, I'm losing myself here. So I think we were made to know and understand and create. And so we have a need to meet ideas on a regular basis. So I think it's, I just think it's super important for a mom, especially as we're encountering our children and we're building relationships and we're encountering ideas with them each day, it's so important for us to maintain a freshness with ideas as well. It allows you to speak from a different place, from a different perspective, from a deeper place perhaps, but it continues to nurture your imagination. I think that's very important. I've seen a lot of fruit from that over the years in my own life. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was having a conversation with Misty Winkler about six or seven months ago, and I was complaining that I was trying to do some writing and I couldn't. You know, I was struggling to make the writing happen. And she said to me, well, what are you reading? And I'm like, I don't have time to read anything right now. And she's like, aha, <laughs> that's probably why you mm-hmm. can't write is because you're actually not making the time to read. And so there's nothing going in and therefore it's very hard to have something come out. So do you find that to be true for you? Very, very much. Very much. With anything I'm trying to do, whether it's cooking, tending the home, maintaining some kind of relevance with people that I want to connect with, being able to have conversations with my children, particularly as we have these older children in our homes now. And so when you're trying to have these deeper conversations with teenagers, just having a place to speak from, sometimes I would just feel so dry and completely tongue-tied, and then I'd realize, oh, I haven't read a single thing for myself lately. So yes, I definitely. I think culturally, this is sort of a dry, kind of shadowy area out there. And so to continue to nurture our souls and our imaginations in particular through this Mother's Morning Basket time, so, so important. And it becomes something that one has to do very, very intentionally, because I know as a mom, it is so hard to stop once things get rolling in the home. So building a habit, I think, yields a great deal of fruit. Same with the morning basket with the kids. It's just one of those things, step, little step after little step, it builds that habit over the years. And then all of a sudden you begin to see amazing fruit. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things I want to go back to, you mentioned a couple of things that I really kind of appreciate. And you said that things in your baskets, books in your basket that were lighter, um, so they, mm-hmm. it, you're not talking about everything is a deep philosophical read or a big religious tome or something like that. And then you also mentioned like you were even reading about the practical arts in there. 
which I mm-hmm. thought was really kind of fun and fascinating, too, because it's when I sit and think about, oh, I'm, I'm going to put together this mother's morning basket to feed my soul. I don't necessarily you know, think about putting a cookbook in there or something on flower arranging. So why is that important? Um, well, we, I, we are made to create and we live the domestic arts every day. So growing ourselves can include these very practical things, but perhaps there are things that you have a great passion for or you'd like to learn more about. Um, you find yourself challenged in that area. So I, there's, it's, I think it's fantastic to put these practical books in there. I love biographies in there, mostly because I think biographies always hit me in a very oblique way. I go into it thinking, oh, I want to learn more about this person. And I come out of that book and think, wow, I actually learned how important teaching objective truth is in any kind of setting. And I, it was just, they're so fascinating. And I'm always surprised how particular books hit me in the end. But I love putting practical books in my mother's morning basket. I think because they are lighter to me. And so if I'm feeling a little bit taxed or emotionally pulled in a variety of angles, I need those kind of books to kind of anchor me and balance me in a little bit more of a practical way something that feels a little bit more concrete. I know when I was doing wedding planning with my daughter, it was an emotional time. And I had I just kept decorating books in my basket and very, very light things because I needed to stay balanced and balance that other side of me that was joyfully expecting to send a grown child off to her own another home. Right. So I'm kind of seeing a trend here that when you're in kind of a deep emotional space, you use the morning basket as a balance for that. And then when maybe things are kind of humming along a little bit more even keeled in the rest of what's going on in your life, then you're able to dig deeper into some heavier stuff in the basket. You're exactly right. I love digging into books like Carol Houselander. She writes beautifully, but it's very deep. And some of her older books are They evoke a profound sense of suffering when I read them. I love reading those books in Lent. I can't do that if I'm also suffering. Sometimes it's just very, very hard for me when I'm already in a very raw place. Whereas when things are going well, I really enjoy entering into those books. They really help me with contemplation in my own prayer life. So I find that over the years, the Mother's Morning Basket provides that balance for me that I need spiritually, emotionally in my reading, through my reading. I love that insight because often, you know, homeschool moms, they hear this concept like mother's morning basket and they think, okay, I've got to put all of these really smart, important books <laughs> in there. And then, you know, they maybe they're going through a situation where they're struggling and they think, well, I can't read these smart, important books, so I'm just not going to do anything. But really what, you know, right. the example you're setting is to balance it out with something else. And I just love that. And you said, Maybe it's something you're passionate about. So this is an opportunity too. we shouldn't feel like it's just a place of I hate to use the word drudgery, but a place of obligation where, okay, now I've got to sit down and read these important books about education because, you know, I should be doing that for my child. But it's also a place to fit in the passions that you may not have time for elsewhere. Exactly. That's exactly right. I I think we grow as people when we include those kind of books in there. And it's always kind of exciting for me to think, um, I really look forward to the book, I Touch a Farmhouse Charm, I think it's a decorating book. And I really look forward to meeting those pages in the morning during that time when I, you know, I knew the day was going to be full or I had a lot of meetings or emotionally I was feeling kind of stretched. 
I enjoyed looking at the pretty pictures. It was, I didn't have to go very deep. It was just something that resonated with me and met me and really fueled and nurtured my own creative passions in that area. So I think we definitely, as moms, we should give ourselves permission to include all of those books that we enjoy or would love to read. In particular, books that teach us something of a skill like gardening, painting, watercolor painting, arranging botanicals, those kind of those. There's a place for those books in the Mother's Morning Basket. Yeah, yeah. I'm loving this because I always, you know, think I should read the things I should read. And then I end up not reading anything because I'm just not in the mood that day, you know. So I love the uh, going with the mood and giving yourself permission. Okay, so I want to talk about when you're done reading from one of the books in your basket. And, you know, this is not the flower arranging book, but maybe, you know, one of the biographies or something like that. Do you build in any Mm -hmm. time for contemplation or journaling or commonplacing? Oh, I definitely do. I'm not sure that I don't think of it as, as something that I've scheduled or planned out. Like I, you know, maybe would plan time to do notebooking with the kids. I don't plan time to notebook some of my books, but I never ever go without a notebook in my morning basket and a pen. You'll always find a cup of pens and probably two or three notebooks in my basket. And I'm a margin note taker, so I write in all my books unapologetically, and I also use books, uh, notebooks, plain notebooks to make notes, journal quotes, things like that. Because I'm always surprised, like I said, I'm always surprised which books hit me in that way. I begin reading and I think somewhere around the middle, wow, this this is a fantastic book. And it's speaking to me on a level that I was not expecting. And I want to make a few notes so I can turn around and dig into this a little bit more later. That Alice von Hildebrand's book, Memoirs of a Happy Failure, was probably stands out to me as the book that did that the most. And I was reading it on my iPad on a tablet, so I couldn't write in the book. But I found that I was highlighting every other paragraph. And it wasn't for the reasons that I thought I would be. And so I began to take some notes and really pursue ideas. And that book grew into an entire series that I wrote about and eventually even became a a talk that I started to give at various conferences. So You'd be amazed how the Holy Spirit works through some of the books that you read. Don't you? It's hard to expect where kind of where He takes you on these journeys through the pages of a book. So that's awesome. All right, so let's get into some of the nitty gritty. You've given us a couple of ideas, but let's talk about what's in your basket right now. Okay, I'm sitting next to my basket looking at it as we speak. So notebook is the first book that stands out to me. So my notebook that I take notes in, I have on that one side, I think I mentioned, always have this one component in my basket. It never changes this component. The books might, but this one section never changes. I have the Bible. I'm always trying to read something from the Bible. And when I say read something from the Bible, I might just read a couple of verses. I don't try to read an entire chapter. I'm not looking to get let me see. I give myself permission to read it and just let it be. Sometimes there's a seed that's planted there, and sometimes I just move on the next day. But I'm always trying to meet God and His Word. So the Bible. Okay, I'm um, going to interrupt for a second. Do you just okay. open it at random, or you know? No. no okay. That's how a do great you? Question. Okay. I try. I like reading chronologically. 
So I have a historical reading chart from, I think it's from a really old series that, that Jeff Cavins did. And mm-hmm. I can't remember the great Bible adventure, maybe was the name of it. And I don't know if he still has that. I know that series has been updated several times, but I like reading along with that. Having said that, I do skip around. So for Advent, I might go straight to the Gospel of Luke and start reading there for some of my reflections. If it's if I'm really suffering or having a hard time with something, I may go to the Psalms because I find solace and some of David's, you know, kind of crying out to the Lord. I find those are helpful to me and helpful to my prayers. So I have a reading schedule that I sort of follow where I'm reading the books of the Bible, but I do give myself permission to skip around at will. Okay. <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> so. Okay, so then uh, a prayer book. And I'll tell you the prayer book I use. We're Catholic, and so I use uh, Mother Love. It was written by a, a, a monk, I'm pretty sure. It's a manual for Christian mothers. But any prayer book, Imitation of Christ is a classic, and I do keep that in here sometimes too. But something that helps me guide my thoughts in prayer. And I say that because I tend to be someone that's very easily distracted And my thoughts can already be jumping ahead four hours to what I need to get done that day. And so I can be praying and then all of a sudden I'm cooking dinner or prepping somebody's soccer uniform or something like that. And so I really enjoy having a prayer book that helps keep me, keeping me focused on my prayers. So that's why I've always got a prayer book in there. And then I think I mentioned I always have something for the liturgical year, whether that's the daily missal, which has the readings for the day, or something from the church's year. There's an out-of-print book series that I learned through a very dear friend, Jennifer Miller, who writes at Family and Feast and Feria. And she told me years ago about a book series called The Church's Year of Grace. And that's what's in my morning basket right now that I read from. It's kind of got like a bit of the daily feast and some historical aspects of it, which I find very fascinating. I'm, so that's, I'm that's, scribbling that's books. The, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And no, it's okay. Um, it's great. So I've always been, I really, a lot of the books, particularly the spiritual books or liturgical year books, Jennifer Miller has really been instrumental in kind of sharing some of the treasures she's found over the years. So I have to, I really have to throw out credit there for that. So that's my spiritual component. That's the, that's the section of my basket that grounds me so that, you know, if I skip everything else, I have to get my morning prayers in. So I'm opening my prayer book. I say my morning prayers. If I can, a couple of verses from the Bible. The Book of Wisdom is fantastic for mothers. And then I'll move on with my day if I have to. But hopefully I have time to read and I'll just choose one of these books. So just think of them as rotating books that I maybe Monday I'll read my novel, Tuesday I'll read my how-to books, and so on and so forth. Or maybe I'm just really, really loving my novel and I just read my novel every day of the week. I was going to ask, how flexible are you with that? And do you go kind of with your mood? I'm very flexible with myself because no one else is. (laughs) That's true. I I cut myself a lot of slack with my mother's morning basket. So, yeah, I enjoy variety and sometimes I don't don't, uh, vary it much at all. I'm really enjoying a biography or a novel and I may just continue reading it for a couple of weeks until I'm done. Well, give us a few more favorite books that might be in your basket at the moment. Okay, so I'm uh, reading my novel right now. I'm reading Elizabeth Gouch's uh, book, Pilgrim's Inn, which I just find utterly charming. And everything about it is very, the atmosphere it evokes is very, very charming. 
and dear. So much, such a sense of hospitality there. I like novels like that, that sort of, they never intended to, but they sort of transcend the page. I found, what's the Miss Prim book? I found Miss Prim like that, uh, The Awakening of Miss Prim. Uh-huh. I love that book so much. That's a favorite of mine. I might put that back in there this summer. Okay, uh, I struggled. So I struggled with the ending of that book. I love the book. Yeah, I was different. And then the ending was kind of a disappointment. I found it very difficult too, um, challenging, but I I don't know. It I just overall I found the book really illuminating in terms of my imagination. But the ending was difficult for me. However, have a very I don't know, maybe it's a sense of romance. And not in the not in the sort of lovey dovey sense, but I, I kind of I'll just give myself permission to rewrite the end of a book if I don't like it. So I do so <laughs> in my own mind and move along. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, everybody loved that book, and I did too, yes. right up until that last chapter. To the end. <laughs> yeah, until, until the, the end. end. And so I was like, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe I need to reread it and read it and read it with a group and discuss the ending and talk about what happened. And we're not going to do that now because we don't want to ruin it for people. But um, right, we don't want spoilers. Yeah, but I was like you. I just thought this is the best book. This is awesome. And you could really see things working and happening. And then mm. <laughs> so yeah, we may have to talk about this one one day. <laughs> yeah, we might. We should maybe do that. <laughs> okay, so what else? That's one of the things. I wanted to mention, though, that's one of the things I love about Elizabeth Gouge. If you really need a book with a happy ending, Gouge is your author because she enjoys giving her readings kind of a happy, wrapped up closure of an ending. And there are definitely periods of my life that I can be challenged by a misprim or something that maybe has an ending that's a little bit difficult for me to swallow. And there are times when I just want the happy ending. I need the closure of the happy ending. So Elizabeth Gouge, I'll have a, to um, fantastic author to go to for that. Keep her in mind. So okay, I've also got in here a book by Sally and Nathan Clarkson. Different mm-hmm. Sally Clarkson's book, different, fantastic book. I have a couple of different kids, and I really wanted to read that. I find it very encouraging and raw and gritty. It's a different side of Sally Clarkson. If you read any of her other books. Still encouraging, very encouraging, but it's a different side. And I'm really enjoying that book. And then this is a reread, probably maybe my third or fourth trip through this book. Alice von Hildebrand's The Privilege of Being a Woman. Beautiful, beautiful book. I love almost anything that she writes. And then I could not even begin to guess how many times I've read Toward a Philosophy of Education mm-hmm. by Charlotte Mason. I'm staring at my book. There are post-it note flags coming out of the spine is taped together with packing tape, but I'm reading it again. And well, I find that it's a book that I can go to and I get something new out of the same sentence, something new and different and refreshing out of that same sentence anytime I read it, depending on where I happen to be in my mothering or my home educating experience. Okay, now be honest. Does that book actually ever leave the basket? <laughs> It does. It actually does. And do you know, there are some times where I just don't want to read anything about education. I just want to, living it, I'm busy enough, I'm done reading about education. And then there are times when I feel like I need to fuel my fire again. Or like right now, I'm in a spot where I have kids that have moved on. I have adult kids. I have another that's about to graduate. And then I have this whole new crop of little people coming up. And it's kind of slapping me in the face again and again and again that, 
yes, you read that once, but you didn't read that to the younger kids or you didn't do that with the younger kids. And so I realized, okay, dummy, you need to refresh (laughs) a little bit here. So thus, a philosophy of education back in my basket. Oh, that's fun. Okay, you know there are reprints of that, but I have a feeling you have a pink one and it's well-loved and probably written in, so you're never going to go for a reprint, right? I might have to just because I actually have my mom's copy of the Charlotte Mason volume. So these are books that like, you know, if the house were burning, this is what I'd grab and run out of the house with. Because not only does it have my notes, it has hers, Oh, uh, which I find fascinating to see kind of some of her. She'd write questions in the margin or something that was challenging to her. I enjoy reading those. So never would I give it up, but the pages are falling out of the binding. And so I might actually have to get a reprint just for practical sake. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, and when you do, you could like store those in the safe deposit box (laughs) or something. Because uh, they, they sound like such a treasure. So they are. They really are. Okay, any more uh, favorites that either that are in the basket now or maybe have been in the basket before? Something where if we have a mom who's really liking this idea and thinking about starting a morning basket, what is one book you would suggest that she eventually make time for? Hmm, well, that's a tough one because there are just so many. Probably my favorite book ever. Um, and I'm just going to identify this book as this is a Catholic book, but I think that there's something in this book for everyone. It is out of print and it is hard to find. So I'm sorry about that. But if you could ever find a copy of Cardinal Mincenzi's The Mother, and he wrote it, I'm staring at my copy and I'm going to see real quick when the copyright is. This is copyright 1949. Starts off, I think, saying the most important person on earth is a mother. She can't claim the honor of having built Notre Dame Cathedral. She need not. She Essentially, she created a soul. She's nurturing the soul and building the soul. And what is more glorious than that, than the humble work of a mother? And he really believes that. And so the entire book kind of talks about the special qualities of a mother. I find it very encouraging because today's culture, as we know, is not exactly really warm towards moms that are slogging it out between diapers and dishes and laundry and trying to maintain a healthy balance between it all while also home educating and so maintaining a breadth of knowledge between the middle ages to ancient history and algebra and addition. And so I think it's nice to put a book in the basket that is encouraging to you as a mom. It's either written by another mom or someone who has a great of respect for the dignity and value of motherhood. So that's a favorite book of mine. I mentioned at the Alice von Hildebrand book. That's probably another one that I would say would be a must read. It's a very small book. So it's a nice one to tuck in there and just read a little bit at a time. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we talk about morning time with kids, we always encourage people to start small and to pick one thing and do it until it's a habit. Absolutely. So does the mm-hmm. same principle apply to Mother's Morning Basket? Absolutely. Same principle. And it's easy, but it would be two things. One, a prayer book that you enjoy, something that anchors and grounds your day in prayer. It's a must-have. And then two, something that you would just like to read. Just one book off of anybody's book list that you've heard recommended, that you already have on your shelf, but something that you would like to read. 
And it could be that practical book on home decorating or gardening or a cookbook, a book that you would like to read and just let it be that one. And every morning, start your day with prayer and something that nurtures you and let it grow from there very organically. Yeah, I love that. And so once again, goes back to kind of the starting your day with delight. We tell people when they start building a morning time habit with their kids, and especially if kids are sometimes a little reluctant to start the day with something delightful that they're going to love, and then you can add the other things in later. So it really is the same principle. It is. It's that Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine. (laughs) Not that the mother's morning basket should be the medicine. But you know, if you're trying to build in some deeper books that are difficult to Mm-hmm. read. I'm trying to think of an example here of uh, maybe a philosophy book. I, I do enjoy putting philosophy books in my mother's morning basket because I do like digging into some of those bigger ideas. But it, it's also very important to keep some lighter, delight-filled books in there because I think that's where that's where our heart is. I think so. Yes. If you're starting out a prayer book and something that delights you. Okay. So any... Any other tips for building this habit? Any other like, and I know you're a girl after my own heart. You love the practicalities too. So any other practical tips for getting a habit going? Well, I would definitely say you should give yourself permission to step away from the idea that it needs to be in the morning. It can be absolutely any time of the day and it can be split up across the day just as long as you're getting it done. I do have to some seasons, even now, even though I've been doing this for years, sometimes I fall out of the habit of it. And I will actually write in my planner. So it's in my face all day long, a little checkbox and MMB, Mother's Morning Basket, and remind myself that I need to take time for myself every day, make myself check it off and do it. Not because it's a chore, but because I need to regrow the habit and make the commitment to myself again that this is worthy and of value. So sometimes you might have to just write a note to yourself and leave it somewhere and remind yourself mother's morning basket time. So I think those would probably be the three biggies, a checklist if you need it to remind yourself, don't be afraid to step away from morning, the morning time. Although I think that there's a lot of value in starting the morning with the mother's morning basket, just because I think we moms have a unique ability to let some of those ideas trickle down into our thoughts throughout the day. And the Holy Spirit has a way of working with those, those seeds we planted earlier in the morning. And I have seen myself the fruit of just, just very informal contemplation through the day of something that I read. So I think there is some value and something to be said for trying to do some reading in the morning, but don't be afraid to, if morning's not your thing, definitely read in the afternoon or the evening. Or, yeah, or even just not your thing. Because I want to, in what you're doing here, and what I also want to just kind of reiterate to these moms, it doesn't even have to be your thing or not be your thing. But if you're up two or three times a night nursing a six-week-old, it's totally okay that this does not happen in the morning. (laughs) It probably shouldn't. You moms that are, yeah, up multiple times a night, actually sleep is your priority. Sleep is your priority. Say a few prayers as your feet hit the floor on your own. And then when you can grab a minute, learn to grab a minute while you're nursing during the day, during the waking hours, try to read something. But again, those seasons of life, 
it has got to be super light and super short because super deep may mean your eyes are turning off before the second paragraph. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? You're going to fall asleep. But yeah, that nursing time, you know, get the other ones down for their afternoon naps and the older ones outside to play. You're sitting there nursing that little one. And then take the opportunity to pick up something, even if you only read and something delightful, something light. You know, this is the season of time for something light and then read it for, you know, five or 10 minutes and call it good and know that in a few years, it's all going to change again. Exactly. You brought up something else, Pam, that I thought probably fits in the practical category, because this is a question that I do get a lot from friends when I share about the mother's morning basket. And that is, well, how do you deal with your kids? coming in, and they do come in while I'm reading. But I think it's actually really important for our children to learn to respect mom's time. And so, you know, when we when and the kids, the little kids have learned kind of at the feet of the bigger kids, they, oh, mom's reading, we don't go in there right now, something like that. But initially, I had to tell my kids, look, I'm reading in the morning, if I'm sitting in my chair, and I have my cup of coffee, and my light is on, those are your cues that I am reading. This is my prayer time and my reading time, and I won't be here long. And if it's an emergency, you can always come talk to me. But if it's not an emergency, you may not interrupt. And some of the kids would just, you know, have some burning thing that they would need to tell me, and they would come in, and I would just very discreetly put up my hand. I wouldn't make a big show about it. I would just put up my hand and let them know that I was aware they were there, but I was not giving them my attention. I was reading. They would turn around and go out the other way until eventually they learn, okay, we're not going to bother mom unless it's truly an emergency. And there are exceptions to this. Of course, I have little toddlers running in and sitting in my lap while I read, and I don't mind that one bit. But I try to teach all the kids, even my little, little people, the value of not interrupting and allowing time to grow and nurture herself. It's just so important that they learn to respect that space whether it's mom right now or a future spouse or a friend or whomever, they should learn the value of not interrupting and granting someone the respect that's needed so that they have space when that's asked. I love this. And also the emphasis that you're putting on, this is not going to happen overnight. You can't look at a three-year-old, a four-year-old, even a seven or eight-year-old, because I'm thinking of the one I have, and say, Don't interrupt mommy in the morning and expect that they're going to forever and ever, amen, remember and honor that. They're going to have to be reminded a few times before. Absolutely. You know, so it's a habit training thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so I am often saying, remember, this is mommy's reading time. We can talk about this later. Okay. And off they go. Fine to say that because over time, that builds a habit and a sense of respect that that young person has for mom's time. And it's also important for me not to abuse that. So that goes without saying, I know when my kids start wandering in a couple of times that I am actually needed. I am needed to be the mom in the morning. It's time to step up to the plate. So I may have to cut morning bas- my morning basket time a little bit short that morning. And I may make a note, hmm, maybe I need to grow my habit of waking up a little bit earlier so that I can get my mother's morning basket time in? Or is that something that I'm willing to do right now in this season of life? Maybe I want to brainstorm. Maybe this belongs somewhere else in the day because I'm just getting frustrated instead of feeling nourished here. I'm frustrated because the kids are interrupting and I haven't even cracked a book. So there are a variety of things to pay attention to and kind of go with in terms of 
brainstorming this so that it's smooth because the idea is that there is that time that they learn to grow the habit of not interrupting and that we walk away from it feeling nurtured and nourished because we can't give what we don't have, cannot give from an empty well. Yeah. Yeah. So important. And it's always going to change. I think like anything we do as homeschooling moms, you know, just when we think it, we have it figured out, something's going to happen and we're going to have to figure it out again, but it's completely worth it in the long run. Absolutely right. I think the cardinal virtue of the homeschooling mom is malleability. <laughs> to change with the time. Yes. That is so true. So true. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about Mother's Morning Basket today. I have a feeling that we're going to see Instagram and Facebook fill up with people who have been inspired by this chat and are wanting to start a little habit of their own. So I appreciate it. Oh, I would love that. I really would. I think it's a fantastic habit to grow. So yeah, I would love that too. And I'd love to see other people sharing what's in their mother's morning basket because that's how I get ideas for my own is through that same sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me again, Pam. This is so wonderful. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of the books or resources that Jen and I spoke about today on the podcast, you can find them at the show notes for this episode. Those are at pambarnhill.com forward slash YMB40. And for you there, we also have a planning sheet that you can download. We've divided it up by month so you can kind of stick with the cycle of the year to plan out books and ideas for your own mother's morning basket. And we have that as the basket bonus. So find all of that at pambarnhill.com forward slash YMB40. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another great morning time interview. Until then, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day.